0: Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the World's Greatest Podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. We are back as a three—so me, Stan and Jim for episode 195 of the Cookie Pod. We are sneaking up on that 200 ep. Keep an eye out for that. But Stan, there's only one place to start this weekend. It is the Emirates Stadium, Manchester United versus Arsenal. 3-1 defeat in the end. Talk us through that.
1: Oh, where do we start? Loads of key moments in this one um, I mean United, United missing key players I actually think it was I think that's probably Arsenal's best 11 for me uh, to be honest I think uh, that was very good for them I think when you play in this early in the season Uh you can't really afford to have any injuries. I think you know United missing Shaw, Varane not having Hoyland fit enough to start. We had to cope with Martial for an hour, um, and obviously no Amrabat. He wasn't he wasn't ready either. we were missing players that I think Tenag probably would have liked to have, or put it this way, in the reverse fixture at Old Trafford. I think if they're all fit, they all start. So um, yeah, expected United team and, and Arsenal strongest team, and, and I mean there were there were key moments in the game. Uh, all of them, apart from one, I think the referee got right. To be honest, um, I think the Saka potential red wasn't a red. I don't think there was enough in it. Um, it was it was offside. You know they did the best they can with the technology. I know it was millimeters, and it's frustrating. And you can't really tell. When it leaves Casemiro's foot, but I suppose they can't take forever doing that. They've not got the technology. They've just got to do it as best as he can. And that was the 88th minute. Uh, the Havertz penalty wasn't a penalty. Nobody touches him and he kicks Wambasaka. I think if there's any contact at all from Wambasaka or Casemiro first, they give it very similar to the Danilo on Rashford last week. Um, uh, that's a penalty, but they rightly overturned that. Uh, Ten Hag mentioned a penalty on Hoyland. Again, I don't think there's enough in it. It's one of them where if it's outside the box, it's given every single time. But inside the box, um, there's probably not enough in it. Um, I, I think I honestly think the only one they got wrong, um, I said it as soon as the ball went in, it, it looked to me like a clear obstruction on, on Evans from Gabriel, who uh, was all over... G- Evans, before Rice even controlled it, blocking him off, grabbing onto him. And to refer cleverly, I suppose you could say made it look like six or one half a dozen of the other by throwing himself to the ground and making it look like Evans was all over him as well. But I think if you watch it, you see Evans and Maguire's immediate reaction is to sprint straight to the ref. And, and you know, there are two players that have been been round the block, especially Mr. Evans coming on at 36 years, years of age or whatever he is. Uh, ran straight to the ref I think he knew he'd been impeded But you know it's one of those I, I think maybe with him, the ref not giving it straight away Or Evans not maybe going down straight away Trying to get the ball And it ended up nicking off him And, and obviously going in at the near post It wasn't enough um, so I think they actually got everything bang on um, Offsides, potential red card Potential penalties, overturn penalties Apart from, I do think it was a, a clear obstruction uh, On Evans But you know, it is how it is And that third goal, you know We see that happen a lot of times When teams are chasing for that For that equaliser late on that Another team makes it, you know Gives them that two-goal cushion on the break So I actually think overall you know, United's away form against The top nine last season, we only got one point Out of a possible uh, 27 I think it was, uh, which was A draw at Spurs, I believe uh, Where we were 2-0 up Uh, We lost last minute at Arsenal last season Lost last minute at Brighton last season uh, And obviously had those uh, Shocking results at Anfield and, and, And the Etihad as well So United's away form against the big, big six isn't good. I suppose our home our home record is, is very good. And I suppose our start is par for the course. We've won our two home games and lost our two big away games. So... Uh, not really much to get too angry about. I actually think there's a lot of positives to take from that game yesterday, considering the, the uh, defence that we finished the game with, uh, and Rasmus Island's debut as well, uh, and the fact that, you know, on another day, Casemiro releases that half a second earlier. United probably win that game 2 1. Uh, and then, you know, that's it. You were, all, we we're all talking about how Arsenal didn't re- really create that much. I think I remember Saka having a clear chance that he should have scored. Apart from that, <laughs> not loads. And Anna didn't have to do loads, really. I don't think he's at fault for any of the three goals. Uh, maybe um, the rice shot, if you're being really harsh, you should save it in his near post. But like I say, it took a nick off Evans on the way as well. And he, he, he struck it with some venom, so... You know, United on another day could have been a, a great away, away performance against a big side and you end up nicking it 2 1 with, with two counter attack, uh, goals, uh, And but it wasn't to be. Uh, the thing for United now is if we are to continue losing these big games, we need to continue winning our big home games. We lost at all the big six, shall we say, last season, bar Spurs, but we beat all the big six at home. So if United are going to have to do that again, if we're going to continue with this, with this away form. But like I say, um, it's easy, I think, by the end of that to get very pissed off about the result and say everything's crap and it's another big loss. But I think, like I say, on another day, I can be sat here talking about 2-1 and Garnacho's nicked it and we've, we've took three points. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of positives. Obviously, the negative is we've lost, but, you know, we were, we were drawing anyway. It was We were either going to have seven points, we've got six points right now. So, United just need to use the, nas- the, the international break to get some bodies back. Uh, hopefully get some minutes into Amrabat and Hoyland's legs for uh, the Brighton game at home, which again, United uh, are going to have to win. If we're going to finish in the top four, we're going to have to do what we did last season uh, with our home form if we're going to continue our away form. yeah. And Jim, just to
0: come to you now, one thing I noticed when I was watching United in this game is, for a team that plays predominantly on the counter-attack, they had so much of the ball and I I think that's when Stan King, correct me if I'm wrong here, but when they do go away to one of these big six teams, that's usually how they tend to set up on the counter. And Do you think that that was one of the main reasons where Arsenal were just letting them have the ball in in some cases?
2: Yeah, I didn't think it was something that United were doing differently. I thought Arsenal let them have it. Um, You said that, you said that probably halfway for the first half, I don't know what Arsenal are really doing to say enough because every time they did press, United looked a bit worried. I mean, they still they still learn a lot of things in terms of how they're playing out from the back, but I think I have seen this um a graph of United's most progressive passer in its Nana, and when you watch him it's not a it's not a, um it's not a because he's the one who's the most confident out of that back forward who's on the ball for me every time he gets it. Uh but yeah, I think I think it was Arsenal letting him have it and I don't know, I think United's front line could do a bit of work. I think I think that's would be my worry. Obviously Highland came in, I thought it was really good. So hopefully for United will Obviously not United, fans, but I think United fans will be hoping that once Highland gets in and gets integrated, it looks a lot better. Because at the minute, it just looks a bit disjointed. and On Martial, just he's he's not. Really, he's I don't know if it's too harsh to say he's not been a Premier League footballer at this point, but he does absolutely nothing. Um, Rashford sometimes goes in and out of games. Anthony's not been the same for for a few weeks, which I thought he was really good at the end of last season, second half of it. Um, yeah, got some things going on in his personal life. <laughs> I mean, we might have to cover that in a future pod. <laughs> but yeah, shouldn't probably be laughed about. But yeah, were good. The terms for Arsenal, I thought... Gary Neville said in uh, the end of the game that they haven't looked amazing, but they've got 10 points out of 12. And I think that is something that Arsenal are going to look for. Because really, when you look at title winning teams at the start of the season, they don't always look amazing. City, over the past four or five seasons... Start a bit slow, usually get a result where uh, a relative, a newly promoted team or a relegated friend team have got a point against them. I think Everton got a draw against us last season early on. Um, Sheffield United could right, this season. But yeah, Arsenal got 10 points out of 12. They've, they've had harder games in City as well. Um, and another late winner. I thought whoever lost this game, it would have been harsh on to be fair. I thought both teams were good for a draw. But Arsenal probably just edged it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of big chances like Saka. I think he should have scored. It would have been a lovely move. But yeah, great drama, I thought. Great, I mean, pure Barclays run it. When, when Garnacho scores in the 88th minute, got makes it 2-1 and the celebrations after it, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be pulled back. I don't think we've had one like that, have we, for a while. Do you know, remember when um, the VAR offsides were coming into it where it was like ruining big goals? It hadn't felt like that for ages until Garnacho's and then for Arsenal to go and win it as well. Yeah, tough to take and I mean Tenag had a lot of excuses at the end of the game, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame him fully because I mean I would have been pissed off as well, I think. Um I I, I don't think it was a foul on um Evans and he had in like retort to what Stan thought and what Tenag thought. I just thought Tenag was hurting a bit, which I think is fair because it was hard they lost it right to the end and the in the manner of the loss as well. Um but yeah, big 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 win for Arsenal and I think maybe Thomas Partey's injured now, only for a few weeks, months. I don't know what you think, Cook. I think they could be better without him. I think they could. I think that injury could have spurred them on to just go back to basics. Just had Zinchenko coming in, because Zinchenko came in alongside Rice. They had Saliba and Gabriele, who played so long together last season, in there a more solid. I think Martinelli and Saka had more play bodies around them, as opposed to the first three weeks, where they looked isolated a lot. So yeah, I don't know what you think about that by far. I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise that injury.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it's forced his hand from like what we said last week about him over it with playing party at right-back and almost copying Pep a little bit, really. Um, because Pep, no one was really doing that before Pep, in recent memory, with inverted full-backs and stuff like that. But no, nah, I think that it is a blessing in disguise to completely agree with you. Arsenal sit fifth in the league at the minute. It's far too early to be saying that these games completely matter at this point, because it is so early and there's there's not a, a league that's won this early in the season. So, I just think that Arsenal, they, they almost make their own problems, Jim. I don't know if you agree there. They almost make their own problems. And one of the problems is Kai Havertz at the minute where a lot of people are getting onto the back of him of in playing in the midfield and maybe being a bit negative. And he definitely should have scored in this game. So... I've said it on the pod. I think he is a number ten that's playing in every other position that he actually plays in. So, what do you reckon about it? And do you think it's sustainable? Really, that he's going to play in that midfield?
2: Uh, I don't know. He, he looks lost, and he? he looks like he's he's not in tandem with any of the players around him. I mean, he's seen him last week. He's doing one twos, he's passing it out because he doesn't know. Might know he's going to stay or go. Same this week. I mean. The, the, the chance he has in the first half where he completely misses the ball where it looks like a fake pass to Nkeja yeah, when he should have scored like you said is something that happens to players that have no confidence um, so that's a shame for him but I do, I think Stan's right, Stan said it last week um, in terms of replacing Xhaka, the player profile of Havertz the difference it's just it's massive and I think Arsenal are miles better with a player like Xhaka in that midfield because then you can push Odegaard on. yeah it's just overthinking it Um and I wouldn't be shocked if Fabio Vieira is coming into more games. As in, like, I wouldn't be shocked if a few weeks down the line, a few months down the line, Vieira's in the starting eleven and Havertz is the one coming off the bench. I, I really wouldn't because every time Vieira's come on for Havertz, they've looked a better side. Uh, Vieira and Martinelli have got a better relationship. Um, whether that's just something that Havertz needs to learn, because obviously he's a new player. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Fabio is starting games. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a shame for I don't know. How is he going from playing a false nine at Chelsea when he doesn't like a, a stri- like well, he playing striker for Chelsea? Sorry, when he doesn't look like, he should be playing there, to play in midfield for Arsenal. When he doesn't look like, he should be playing there either. Is it a is it a case of he's not that great of a player, or have the manager just played him in the wrong positions in two clubs now? It's it's a it's a weird one.
0: Yeah, I th- my personal opinion on because I've watched him so much. I remember Lampard tried to play him as a centre mid, and for a couple of games it didn't work, and. Then he tried him in the false nine, he's played him along the front three, but I think Havertz almost falls into that specialist category of where a team has to play in like a four two three one or play with an out-and-out number 10. Someone like Isco, I would say, but Isco in his younger years because he was adapted into that Madrid side where he was crucial in their Champions League run. I think it was the Cardiff one where he was really crucial for him. And um, yeah, I just think he's that type of player. I, I personally don't think he can be molded into a centre mid. I think that he is a specialist number ten, and I think that's where you're going to get the best out of him. And uh, it's a weird one: where is Arteta going to just keep playing him through this shit form, or is he going to bench him after the international break for more of a natural centre mid? But
2: I'm be- if he'll play. In- Sorry, just to jump in, just quickly, I I wonder if he'll play in these big games again. Um, he looks like a player where remember the back end of Ericsson when they just couldn't trust him because he just wasn't doing much? I mean, Havertz does put himself about a bit in fairness. In like, oh, literally just wouldn't make quite a tackle in, but that, that United goal that about the opener was an incredible pass and finish from Ericsson and Rashford. But, I mean, what happens before that, if you watch it, it's a Havertz terrible pass. Like, they've got bodies forward and it's a lazy pass straight to Ericsson. Stuff like that. Will make Atta, I think, away at the Etihad and a, a title-deciding game. He's not playing. He's going to play party and rights next to each other and Odegaard with them. So, whether he's going to be out of the side lineup like indefinitely or whether it's just going to be these big games, because they're going to find themselves in big Champions League games as well. You like to think they get out of the group. So, whoever they draw there, I don't think he'd be trusted, personally.
0: Yeah, and just last thing before we move on to a different game, Stan... Jim mentioned then someone potentially who's indefinitely not in the starting 11, and someone that is definitely <laughs> indefinitely out of the starting 11 is Jaden Sancho at Man United, and he's come out with quite a fiery statement on his social media.
1: Yeah, he's somebody as well um, that is probably from the same school as, as Kai Havertz, where I don't think anybody. Can deny that they've got ability, but I don't. I also think I don't, don't think anybody can pinpoint where he should be playing and whether he should actually be playing. Um, and maybe they're better off in, in European leagues. They both came from the Bundesliga to the Premier League for big money, and they haven't done it. So maybe maybe they should have stayed there. But that's the way the Bundesliga crumbles, as they used to say. Um, yeah, but Sancho, I think. Uh, Obviously, I, I, don't, I don't know the full background, um, but he signed t- for, for United for a lot of money at a time when he was probably the most sought-after teenager or under 21. I'm not sure whether he was he was a teenager when we signed him. A uh, player in, in Europe, I think it was only Messi that got more goals and more assists in him combined in, in one season, or I think... No, it was only Messi... Messi was the only other player that got 20 goals and 20 assists in in the season uh, that United uh, ended up signing him, I believe. So this is a lad, again, with talent, uh, superb talent, uh, proved it in the Bundesliga. United signed him for, I think it was 72 million in the end, and this is a guy that's in, I believe, the top five earners in the Premier League on about 300 grand a week. Came in in difficult circumstances Where Ronaldo would arrive shortly after him Solskjaer lost his job Rangnick came in United uh, I was going to say Crawled to the uh, The finish line that season But it's Probably Too strong a verb To be honest um, So very difficult first season for him But again you know, he never really came into that side. Uh, there was players there that had history at United. He could have maybe have been the new player, the new guy that thought, well, you know what, whilst it's shit, I've just come in for 72 million. I'm going to do it. I've got no background here. I've got no history. No, I've got no prejudgment from any fans, any managers, any coaches. They don't know me. He never really took any opportunities there. Uh, and then the next season arrived... We all thought, right, Jaden Sancho getting him a preseason. It's a new manager. Maybe Ten Hag, the style he plays, could suit Jaden Sancho. Uh, and if he can get the likes of Rashford, maybe firing. Sancho could benefit from that. Rashford did fire, but it was nothing to do with Jaden Sancho. Uh, Bruno Fernandez fired, it was nothing to do with Jaden Sancho. And I was saying to you two before. Uh, obviously Ten Hag arranged for Sancho to go to the Netherlands basically to go and meet Raz al Ghul and uh, sort his head out um that was all Eric Ten Hag sorting that for him, by the way. Um, So all this, Ten Hag's a bad guy for saying that he's not training very well now. Uh, For me, is doesn't really have a leg to stand on. It's pretty baseless for me. I don't really know many managers that would send out the £70 million signing that isn't injured and basically give him two, three months off to train one-to-one with somebody that he's arranged for him. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't happen. I can't remember it ever happening. Maybe one-to-one training to recover from an injury with a specialist, but not one-to-one training because we don't know what's up with you and there's clearly some demons in your life, whether that's on the pitch, off the pitch, whatever, we don't know. But Ten Hag sorted all that for him. He protected him whilst it was happening, uh, whilst there was questions that you know, he's on this much, he costs this much, why isn't he in the team? He didn't bring him in until he was really ready. I think he came on in a cup game for the last 20 minutes, uh, got a massive standing ovation from United fans. And then never really kicked on again. Pre season, he looked decent, but never kicked on. And there's never really been a game for Sancho where you've come off and gone. I tell you what, Sancho's arrived, though. He'd never really seen it again, which is why I'd compare him to Havertz. He cost a shitload of money. Uh, they probably both had moments. I remember Sancho scoring a great goal against Liverpool after we won our first, after we lost our first two. It was a huge game. He sat down two players and passed it into the corner again as he arrived. No, he hasn't. We go and sign Anthony a week later, and he's never really left the right wing. He's not going to get over Rashford on the left. And if he is a creative number 10, he's not getting over Jaden Sancho. and uh, Not getting over Bruno Fernandez. sorry. And we've just signed Mason Mount, who can play up there too. So, I really don't know where he plays. But Tanag calling him out in the media, is it a final play? Is it a final? I've done everything privately. Do I do it publicly? I really don't know what else to do. Sancho's come out saying what Tenag basically has said is wrong that he's training like he always has and he's always been chosen, nothing's changed. He believes it's for another reason that he said he won't go into. What they are again, I don't know. Um I saw somebody say, you know, well, he's obviously going to uh, train crap when um, Anthony's starting week in, week out, which I'd get, but if you look at the n- minutes from last season, Anthony only played about 150 more minutes in total anyway, which isn't even two more full 90s. So Sancho has had... Opportunities. He's played left wing, right wing, false nine. He's just not cracked it down. I don't know if he's making excuses for himself, whether he's feeling sorry for himself, whether he can't take accountability, or whether there is something genuine that's going to come out in the woodwork that is maybe the reason why he's never kicked on and the reason why he was actually dropped yesterday. But I don't think it's a bright idea coming out, whether you disagree or agree with your manager. There's a hierarchy. At United, there's a hierarchy at every club. There's a hierarchy at every workplace. If my boss came out in a team meeting and slagged me off, I couldn't stand up and fucking bollock him in front of everybody as well. Cause you know, your job would be on the line because there's a hierarchy. So these people acting like it's top boy saying call me out publicly. I'll come out publicly against you is just fucking ridiculous especially the likes of Gary Lineker who is an ex-pro I don't think he would have ever stood up against Bobby Robson if he slagged him off for England because you just don't do you so don't know where it's going to go it's another thing uh, that's kicking off at United it's not even the latest thing because we've had the Anthony domestic violence stuff come out since then so what's going to happen tomorrow I don't know maybe Carrington's going to blow up overnight uh, it just just carries on so uh,
2: yeah I, 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 I don't it's like, know it's all, good, it's all the good that Rashford's done and then it's like, it just evens it out. It's the yin and yang of your front line. Yeah, Rashford's just such a good person and then you other people I think I think that's a problem. I mean,
1: I don't know whether United, we're not allowed to win a big away game. I don't know if we're allowed a balanced front three that's firing because yeah. When we had Cavani scoring most weeks, Rashford wasn't doing anything. Rashford scoring most weeks, we had Veg, and Anthony weren't up to much. So I, I don't, maybe we'll have Hoyland. Maybe Hoyland will start scoring and and Rashford will end up on the bench for Garnacho.
2: I don't know. We I, just, think, we can't, I, I think we can. I think you've invested quite a bit, aren't you, in that front line? But like, it's like drips and drabs. It's never been like, because if you can't sell players, you can't offload them as good as other clubs can. You can just pretty much invest in one per season. And what we'll say about, this is getting a bit too carried away. By the 30 minutes or so, Harlan came on. He looks miles more of a Premier League player than Sancho does. And even Anthony does just because of the strength of him. And I mean, I know you get this a lot with players that come from different leagues. It does take a while to adapt because it's just so quick. The defender's so physical. Sancho can be the best dribbler in world football. But at the end of the day, he's a winger. And he's not quick. He's strong. He doesn't like a challenge. You can put any fullback in the Premier League on him, and they'll have a decent game because all they've got to do is be physical with him. They don't have to be an amazing footballer at fullback to do that. Anthony, to be fair to him, puts himself about, but he's again, he's not rapid, is he? He's not too strong because the size of him. Ireland came on yesterday, and I just thought he's powering with Gabriel, one of the biggest, one of the biggest centre backs in the league. He's rapid when he did that run. When United were on the break in his own half, there's some of the, and I mean. United fans would best be hoping that this big signing works out better than the last two, I would say. And yeah, because at the minute you are, it's, it's a shame for people like Rashford who have to be so consistent. I mean, he gets a lot of stick, doesn't he, because he comes in and out of form. But at the end of the day, there's no player in any other team where he has that pressure on him. I mean, the, the, everyone's able to have this out of form, like, even like a Foden, for example, who's not too dissimilar to Rashford in terms of age and profile. Phoned aloud a few months off because you've got like you've got a bit like Amara's there, but I've been out silver there. We've got other players. Rashford's been the guy for United pretty much since he came on against New Zealand. like and it's just not really that fair in him, I think. So, yeah, new players around him. I think, I think for all the talk about centre backs and midfield, that front three doesn't look amazing. And I mean, it's not even United's right. fault because. Obviously, the green was stuff you talked about two weeks ago. He was a player that was very much in the plan. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think the most damning
1: thing for Sancho is that there was quite a, a big United page yesterday that tweeted out who was a better signing for United, him or Dan James. And I know there's recency bias in there. So, without the results, the fact that £72 million Jaden Sancho is getting compared to is he even better than Dan James, is probably where his United career is at. We'll stick in the North West, northwest well, North West clubs that we've just predominantly spoken about. We'll go to Turf Moor, a lovely place, sunny uh, sunny, Burnley. Uh, and Burnley went one nil up, but they ended up losing 5-2 to Angie's uh, tricky Lily Whites. Uh, I'm, I'm told that they're called. Uh, Jim, talk us through this one. I Spurs the team to beat this
2: season. <laughs> it's classic. Um, I suppose they've done this a few times, haven't they? I mean, we've got a great we've got, we've got a lovely friend. Um, outside of podcast life who's a Spurs fan who gets very excited his first four games of the season and thinks when I start a charge and you think when's it going to come humbling down to reality but I must say this is as fun as Spurs have looked since Pochettino um, yeah I mean everyone's flowing I mean, if I just imagine it's one of them where I'd be better without Kane but at the same time probably, I mean they're definitely not by the way I'm not, not, not saying that but you'd thought the drop off would be insane without Kane because even Guardiola's calling the Harry Kane team before, Annie, not too long ago. But they look more like a team, and I imagine Kane in this because it'd be, it'd be twice as good. They would. They put honestly. They'd, I don't want to say they'd be title challenges, but if they're playing football like that with Harry Kane in the forward line, yeah, why not? And I mean, I think this is a team that's going a bit under the radar because we all expect them to be miles off the top four, didn't we? But at the minute, when you look at like your Chelsea and your Liverpool and your United and Newcastle. I know we are only four games in, but Spurs are playing miles better football than them. And they've got some big results as well. They, they beat United fairly comfortably, a lot more comfortably than Arsenal did, in fairness to them. And, yeah, the goals are really good. Madison is proven to be an excellent signing, as as I could have predicted. I mean, he doesn't take a cheat. I think he's a brilliant football player. Um, scored a lovely goal on the weekend. Son, who not scored before this one, gets a hat-trick. I mean, maybe there's something in that with Solomon coming on the left. because Richardson, I believe, was injured. Richardson probably probably has been only the one player in that 11 where you thought he doesn't look up to it and maybe Son can go through the middle and Solomon can go on the left or even Brent Johnson can go on the left or in the middle maybe that's why they've signed him so they've addressed that already Um, and we know Son's a brilliant player who's not been himself over the past 18 months but he looked back to his best and I don't know if you've seen the goals from this one um, Luke, but the fifth one I know the game's probably over for Burnley at that point, so Spurs are just doing what they want, but the football at the back is brilliant, Madison doing a lovely one too, the ball from Porro, the finish when he's left from Son, one of the better goals of the week. Yeah, definitely,
0: and Madison was definitely feeling himself in this game, where he was adopting that little quarterback role, where he was even picking the ball up off the centre arse and just literally playing for all at that point, and I thought Burnley were really poor, but Spurs were excellent in this game, and... Madison has almost been questioned of one, can he stay fit? Because he, he is injury prone to a point. And also, the other one was, can he make the step up? And so far, he's become Spurs' main man that everything's gone through. And he's been the vice, sorry, he's been named the vice captain as well at this point, too, Son. And so far, Son got a hat trick in this game. And Madison was excellent again. And he's been excellent the past few weeks. And yeah, I thought Madison's goal was great. Madison was great. And Spurs are looking very good at the minute. However, I will go out on a limb and say that this is not sustainable and even for a team without European football, I think that it's important for Spurs not to get too carried away because Ange will play nice football and Spurs will definitely improve as a side off the back of being so defensive under Conte. But can he win a trophy? I don't think so.
2: I don't, yeah, I don't know if trophy's going to be the, the big... I just think that we didn't expect him to shine for the top four and I think I think without, Europe, without European football, it's massive. And I think if they can stay injury-free, honestly, I don't see why not. I don't see why they couldn't finish in that top four because the, the, the stuff, the, the football playing is brilliant. The signings have just set up, come straight in. You don't usually see that straight away, do you? I mean, it usually takes a while, but literally, <coughs> Van, Van Der Ven's come straight in. The up's fine. Destiny Doki looks like an absolute gem. Madison just looks like he's just took all of the pressure he had at Leicester and just add it on his shoulder, he just embraced it on his shoulders for Spurs, but he's got much better players around him, so yeah, the the, the signings have been absolutely impactful so far, because like I say, when you get that many new faces in the door, you don't use this here, so quickly. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle didn't have uh, European
1: football last season, and they Avoided injury, pretty much. You know, it was pretty much the same nine, if not the same ten or eleven, most weeks. So Spurs can do that with a fairly new manager, Newcastle too. I think Howard only been there was it six months before last season that he come January the year before. So you never know. I, I do think not having European football is huge. Um, but going to the other side, Burnley, they're not looking great this season. I mean, I saw somebody say this. This genuinely could be. All three promoted teams could go straight back down uh, Obviously Burnley's They've lost this one uh, have, they lost, have they lost all three Burnley? Or have they, yeah they stat. have lost all Please three
2: If you want they, the they,
0: Well go on So the stat that I have for you this week Is the first one is 13 out of the 20 teams scored 2 plus goals This weekend And it's the longest in the Premier League era That all newly promoted sides Have not won
1: yeah, so I suppose that that gives credence to the to the tweet I saw that said, "Look, they, all three of them could easily go down." I think they could. I think Wolves and Everton are also in trouble too. Uh, I think Bournemouth will be all right. I know they're down there. I know it's pretty early, but I, I think they'll they'll figure it out. I think it's those five that probably fit into three. If if I'm calling it this early, um, Burnley were the team that we all thought would do the best out the three and they may end up doing I think if any of those three do stay up it's still going to be them um, but they, they haven't really done anything I know maybe you know they're a game behind everybody which probably doesn't help considering City's your first game so it's pretty much a free hit and then you want to be looking to that Luton game second second game of the season as right let's set the stall out and get a win there away and it never happened and then before you know it you've got Spurs at home as well um, so, so, so not an easy start for all them and, and again like, like I say you know the seasons starts after the international break, I think, when other clubs, maybe Arsenal are away with Sevilla in the Champions League group and then they've got Burnley at Turf Moor on the Saturday. That's when Burnley might look to, to pick up points against the bigger side. So there's still time left for them. I think, um, you know, Luton... Again, the nineteenth the or twentieth for me, uh, unless something ridiculous happens. And and Sheff- Sheffield United and Everton, the two teams that played played this weekend, it was a two-two. A great early kickoff. Um, and again, I think I think McBurney and Beto stole the show. The two the two forwards, uh, McBurney involved in uh, in Archer's uh, equaliser and nearly got the winner for himself, if uh, but for Jordan Pickford's head. But then again, uh, you know it, Jordan Pickford probably deserved that look with with Cameron Archer's second goal. So Beto impressed me, and, and if Everton are going to do anything, he's really going to have to hit the ground running and, and do something special for them. Oliver Richardson two or three years ago when he pretty much kept them up on his own, which caused Spurs to. St- To spend the money on him so yeah I think those five go into three for Burnley It's it's, uh, Burnley and and the rest it's uh, not looking good Yeah but something that is looking good Jim teenager
0: Evan Ferguson for Brighton scored his first hat trick as a senior footballer against Newcastle United who I thought were extremely poor in this game and they, they really have had a reality check at the start of this season with three losses on the spin and Jim with European football on the horizon and Newcastle with the group of death how do you think the Magpies are going to get on in Europe?
2: In Europe? Do you know what? I, I think they'll get out of the group. <laughs> um, I really do. I mean, top I me, mean, PSG are going to probably top it. Um, Dortmund, I think Newcastle are far better side than Dortmund are. I really, really do. I think Dortmund have, have fell off a lot. Um, after the, 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 the despair of the ending of last season, it's Milan the other team in that group, yeah. Um, that could be close. Milan, Milan look decent. Milan look like they've replaced the, pl- the players that have left. They've, they've got a lot of players coming in, and Serie A clubs don't have a lot of money to do that, but Milan have found the way. Um, and they've, they've signed smartly. I think Pulisic and of cheap coming in. Keeping Lee out was massive. They've got the experience there, Giroud. They spend the Tonali money very well, I think. But that'd be nice for tonight to go back to, to, to Milan there. Um, I think it's good for Newcastle that they get these draws. I think the fixtures have been very unkind to them in terms of group of death but maybe the fans would have wanted that probably the owners wanted to go through so maybe not um, Cowboy Cup the place City in the first round um, of City going into it um, the start of the season fixtures even very tough having Villa City Liverpool and Brighton I mean losing three is their fault let's put it right but having four games where it's really hard before the international break before the Champions League starts it's less than ideal for them because they would have probably wanted a lot more points on the board before going into. we have got a nice run of fixtures coming up, They have got like your Brentfords and your Burlington and your Sheffield United, but at the same time, midweek before that, they're away at PSG, they're home to Milan, away at Dortmund, so then games uh, get a bit trickier and we get to see what Newcastle are about. These are the games where last season they were dismantling teams um, pretty comfortably, they? They blowing teams out of the water in the first half, but. Maybe they won't have that energy um, after a Wednesday night game under the lights. Yeah, Stan. Okay, I've got got a question
1: for you. You said in your predictions, I believe, that Newcastle wouldn't lose a Champions League group game at home. Do you still believe that? Before we go on to uh, Evan Ferguson's driving instructor. (laughs) (laughs) Are they they still unbeaten at home, Newcastle in the groups? Yeah, they are,
0: because I've seen better teams than all of them. Will Man City struggle away at Newcastle? And I think that teams that don't deal with that on a regular basis in their own league will definitely struggle at Saint James's. So I'm doubling down. I will. I, I don't know if you can bet on that, but maybe I can do a request to bet with someone that 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 is. I rate key. that,
2: Cook. I rate that.
0: But I would like to. Uh, I would like to definitely put some money on that. And I think that it'll be only encouragement for them, Newcastle players and fans, really, stand. But last thing on Newcastle, I think they showed at the weekend what happens when they try and rotate someone, for example, like Matt Target, who is just definitely not up to standard at at that football club and is definitely just there to tick a box for being a British player. And do you think that that will be the downfall in the league if they are going to go far in Europe, where if they do try and rotate, even in the smaller games, where we've seen big teams even bottle these games against the smaller teams? Do you think they will? I, I...
2: I think, no, for one, no. I mean, like you just said, if they've, they've had injuries and they've had to put target in it straight away, they were much weaker. But I just think there's no control in the team. And I think that's a huge problem for winning games and keeping leads, um, especially when the opposition is just so much harder. I mean, third one up against the PSGs is going all gung-ho with like that front three of Mbappe, Dembele and and All rapid, by the way. All is going to turn Dan, Dan Burns' poor hamstrings that night, I feel for the lad. Um, <laughs> but there's just no control of it we've seen the Liverpool one didn't we they just didn't know what to do and they had the lead because Liverpool were just going for it and they're all action midfielders and they're all hard working but can they do what Brian did to a team like Brian passed them off the park I mean Brian were brilliant and they answered back and I mean I said to you, Stan, didn't I that since come coming on Brighton it was that start where they've not lost back-to-back games and after the, the hammering they got at West Ham that worked quite well <laughs> and the he bounced by brilliantly and he controlled the game from the first minute to the very last. And that's something against big teams that Newcastle haven't done yet. They did. They answered really well, Brighton and obviously Evan Ferguson. I think,
1: was it his, first, his second start maybe? I think he was injured, wasn't he, at the beginning? It, it brilliant. You know, hat-trick. Um, Nick Polk probably would have wanted to have done better with the first two, but as the old adage goes, you don't shoot, you don't score. Uh, and was it Gilmore shot and he spilled it? And his second one, Nick Pope's got to move his feet quicker. But again, you know, he, he deserves that for having the confidence to shoot from that far out. And, and that third goal, a lot of luck. But when he looks in, it's in. Look at the Irish, some say. So, um, yeah, <laughs> brilliant player. He's still only 18. Uh an absolute monster of a guy for, for his age is only going to get stronger and quicker uh, and better, especially under the, under Deserbi and, and a club like Brighton that's known for developing talent. I mean, I, I just want to know where he goes for for 120 million in, in 2025. That's that's my next prediction. So, yeah, brilliant. I thought Brighton were brilliant. The answer back really well from that West Ham game, uh, and I think Newcastle will struggle with rotations and teams not viewing them as the underdog anymore. They'll view them as a Champions League team, which is what they are, uh, and. and Brighton, yeah, were brilliant. Uh, just as good as, as Newcastle. Just as good as Newcastle, if, if not better uh, last season. Maybe unlucky with, with injuries, whatever, and, and obviously changing the manager, having the manager poach. But Brighton are brilliant. They, they lose managers, they lose players, and they get better, if anything. I mean, you know, Europe's not started yet, but. They don't look any worse than last season, like I say, they, look, they probably look better to me, uh, By that that weird result at, at home to West Ham, so yeah, brilliant for them to answer, and uh, Anzu Fatty to come in as well, and obviously that guy Wells was injured, so they'll be even better when he comes back.
0: Welcome back, listeners! It is that time of the episode—the time where you get interactive with the Cookie Pod Boys—and I've got a couple of who-am-I's for you. So listen up. Okay, so player number one, clue number one for five points. So this is an active player. I'll give you that before we start. I was born on the sixth of January, nineteen eighty-nine, making me thirty-four years old.
2: Wow. Wow. Oh, that's birthday to have that, because you're going you to get a lot of Christmas presents there and people are going to forget what your birthday are, I reckon. New Year's Eve. I think so, too. Beautiful, that's the guy who's born in December. I don't know how that feels. Uh, <laughs> my guess is... um, Who's that midfielder I'm thinking of? Oh, oh Vidal.
0: It's not
1: Vidal. Uh, Raul Albiol.
0: It's not real but you two goals of the game there for different reasons. Clue number two for four points. My ex-slash-current teammates include Patrice Evra, Alex Song, Gail Kakuta, and Luis Suarez. Yeah, you're right, Suarez and Evra. That's
2: controversial. Depends what side you Um Gail Kakuta, who he played for? He's currently playing up front with Andy Carroll in um, the second tier of French football. Fact. Um, I'm going to go with Gerard Piquet. It's
0: not Gerard Piquet. I'm looking at the notes. It's not Gerard Piquet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's a great guess. Um, song, Suarez, Ever. And who was the other one?
0: It was
2: Ever, Song, Gail Kakuta, and Luis Suarez. Stan, let's work together, and by that I mean you tell me information. Who's Gail Kakuta ever played for? <laughs> uh, it was t- Chelsea. Well, yeah, it was Chelsea. Uh, I swear, it was, was he not at Bolton
1: or somewhere? Maybe. Cook's not giving anything away. Do you reckon you play for Chelsea, then? I don't know. He's, he's, a, he's a, a classic. Player. He's the original Chelsea loanster, Gail Kakuta. The original Chelsea transfer banner as well. Yeah, Um, play for France, surely. Surely, Uh, I'll just go with uh, who's played with um, Pjanic, someone like that. I don't know.
0: Nice to hear his name, but it's not Miralyn Pjanic. Okay, this is where I'm thinking it might open up. Clue number three for three points. I have nine caps for England, scoring two goals. Oh, he's took a left turn. Nine caps, two goals
2: for the three lines. He's played Nine caps. Ev- he's played with Evra, Kikuta, Suarez. Who was Song. the one? Alex Song. Song. So I'm thinking maybe Chelsea. He's played in London.
1: That's what we can West get West Because Ev- Evra's played for West Ham. Don't forget. Yeah. Chelsea Chelsea West Ham Barca vibes maybe. Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, it could be. Could all be Prem. Oh. Cool. Um, I don't know,
2: but he's definitely not
1: active. He's not played a bit of He's also play- I thought of Joe Cole, but he's played. I was, was gonna me. say Joe Cole, yeah. but he's because he was literally doing BT and it was TNT I say. Uh I don't know. That that thingy one's difficult because there's loads Ooh. of clubs. Oh,
2: is he still active? Is he Ben Ayun?
0: What when he's got nine caps for England and scored two goals? Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's not. <me. laughs>
2: is it his real life Player of the Year two thousand and seven, two thousand yeah. and eight? <laughs> All <laughs> <laughs> right, let me connect, let me resend that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Uh I'm gonna go
1: Carlton Cole. What knows? It's not cart and
0: oh, not
2: active? Is it on the radio?
0: Yeah, I don't, know. You're, I don't know. you're very hot. Oh, okay. Okay, is it is Jim gas or is it another clue? Yeah,
2: I'm, not, I'm gonna have that as my sheer guess. Fucking, who did I say? Ben, are Okay,
0: this this next clue will test your England knowledge. Oh God! My only competitive of my two England goals came in our second European game of Euro 2012 in a 3-2 win against Sweden. Jesus. And I said you were very hot with Carton Cole. It,
2: oh no. Is Danny Welbeck?
0: It's not Danny Welbeck.
1: No, he's not played with Suarez, have he?
2: Remember that game
1: though? Oh, I know,
2: I know it is. I know it is. No, I don't fucking know what it is. We do, Stan. We do watch this game at Critical together. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you know he scored? Oh, I know
0: it is. Oh, Andy Carroll? Yeah, it is Andy Carroll. Jim yeah, said, Andy, it "You said that right at
1: the beginning." I know. Just I know. Just
0: said it in passing. <laughs> just said it in passing. You should have said how hard it was to contain anything on my fucking thing. He was a problem that game. He was a problem that game. The last comment as well was I replaced former Newcastle striker Papiss Cisse at League Derside Amion this summer. Yeah, that so was, literally-
2: was my guess. When, when I said that before, that was my guess.
1: <laughs> it so it literally was what West Ham, Amiens, and Liverpool—the uh, the three gloves? Nah, so he's
0: played. For, he's played for Preston. No,
1: I mean, no, I mean, Evra, Evra. So
0: Evra Ebra was at, to, was at West Ham. Alex Song was Cucuta. at West Ham. Gail Kakuta is right now at Amiens, uh, and Suarez was at Liverpool. Well,
2: yeah, have I said that? I'm not even guessing. Okay,
1: now, yeah, I know it's Good, good. good poker face, that cookie thank you mate thank you I just
2: I just, I just went quick I remember Neil Welbeck scored a flick against Sweden yes. Yes. I just remember that happening and just went for
0: it. <laughs> yeah, Euro 2012 I had to YouTube this goal because I really didn't remember it yeah, oh, yeah Gerard I I didn't... It. Ger- that was when he Gerard
2: just came into Intercow. the team hadn't he? He
0: just come into the England
2: team mad and Theo Walcott scored the other I think did he I think yeah, so I don't... yeah I think he did he get the winner
0: yeah yeah 3-2 so, yeah Theo those were dark days Theo
2: that was a good game, that. Carolyn Walcott. Jesus. Fucking class England.
0: Where was Aaron Lennon? Okay. Cool okay. How well did you do? Did you beat Jim and Stan then? That's a- Jim being
2: himself. <laughs> yeah. I do every night before I tend sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Player number two. I was born on the twentieth of November nineteen eighty nine, making me thirty-three years old and I am an active player.
2: Same school year as Andy Carroll?
0: Mm-hmm. It was.
2: Fact. Did he go to school together?
0: No. No. Oh, no.
2: I've got I
1: just kind of a clue, haven't you? Whatever. I'm to think The, the best it. way for me is about ten years ago, Jim. They were they were twenty three. So they were like in in <laughs> coming into the pump.
2: Oh, right. Okay, so it's Jordi Alba. I'd say it's a good shout. Good shout. It's a
0: good, it's a good guess, but it's not Jordi Alba. In the news, um, list, not
2: scored last night.
1: Um, it? Oh, uh, David Bentley. He retired very young. He did, he did.
2: Wait, is this player retired?
1: Oh, wait, is he retired?
2: No, he's active, I said.
1: Oh, belt him. Sorry. Do do that, so? Sorry. Oh.
0: No, got to take your first answer. Yeah. Okay. Clue number two for four points. I've played in Mexico, England, Chile, Germany, Spain, Italy, and Brazil.
2: Oh, Brazil just threw me. Say them again.
0: So, would you would you like it in order of his career or just in any order? Oh, I love it. Career? You want career order? Right. Okay. So I've played in Chile, Mexico, England. Germany, Spain, Italy and now Brazil.
1: Oh, I didn't play Nittler, did I? Uh... Are you of Jon Chicharito, I don't. No, I was thinking Claudio Bravo. Uh, I'm going to take a guess now. But I don't, I think he's older than 33, but I'm going to go Gary Medell.
0: It's not Gary Medell. I like where your head's at, though.
2: I'm gonna guess
0: I don't know
2: I don't even know if he played in England.
0: England. Um, is it a Vargas? It's he did. Eduardo. It is yeah. Eduardo Vargas. Yeah, did he play the West Ham? No, he played for <laughs> QPR. 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 Clue number three was my ex slash current teammates include Hulk, Alexis Sanchez, Alex Telles, Rob Green, and Nicolas Sula. Clue number four was, I've got 106 caps for Chile, scoring 40 goals. And clue number five was, in the 2012-13 season, I was relegated to the Championship with QPR and Harry Redknapp.
2: They, must have, they did well, didn't they? In one of the, like, was it like 2012 20, or 2010, and it must have signed in. Yeah.
0: Or was was Chile the- did Chile
2: do well in World Cup 2010?
0: No, I think, no, I think 2014 they did, they they was there? it? They won back-to-back Copa yeah. America's,
1: I remember that. Was it World Cup 2014 when they had that like wave three five two 3-5-2 team, wasn't it? And they knocked Spain out in the groups. Oh, sure. Sanchez and Vargas and Medell and Vidal. And... Always good
2: puns, yeah.
1: aren't you, they? Yeah, they were, yeah. You want
0: to have a crack at the, uh, the, team, the teammates and where they played with them? Was the where was it? So the teammates were my ex-slash-current teammates include Hulk, Alexis Sanchez, Alex Tellez, Rob Green and Nicolas Sula.
2: okay now. Tellez. Tellez, was
0: was Tellez in Italy? Um, for, Tellez, was a, Tellez was at Atletico Mineiro. No. Oh, sorry, Gremio, Gremio, sorry, Gremio. Didn't, did not know that.
1: Well, Green was obviously QPR.
0: I think Tellez come through their academy, Stan. From when I was looking earlier. Who was it? The he was it.
2: Uh,
1: yeah, G- Green was
0: QPR. Oh, uh, Hulk did, in Mexico, maybe. Hulk right now at uh, Minero. Oh, yeah, but yeah he, he loves point. them leagues. Yeah, Hulk right now. I always get you with the current, X and current. Who was Sula? Sula was at Hoffenheim. Ah, right, okay.
1: Probably Nag- Nagelsmann, wow. 2015
0: to 2017.
1: Mm, wow. Maybe too early. Yeah, Good there
0: you go. Then. Good pull that, Jim, off. Uh, so you got, so you got four Thanks, pop- mate. So myself
2: different. after yesterday, by same was saying it was English. <laughs> You may as well have been he hung around there bloody long you know Oh, I wish he was! I mean, Imagine him in front of Lampard in chair.
1: Oh, he
0: was a prem club slagging What a player he was!
2: Right, and just finally going into another game that happened this weekend. Not as high scoring, but maybe the shock of the weekend. Nottingham Forest, who we was talking about last weekend and how impressed we were with it performances away at Arsenal and away at United despite the results and we knew we said that we weren't as worried as we were about them last season and right on cue Cook I'm afraid to say it happened to your boys but yeah um, Anthony Alanga the new man gets the winner of the Cook I mean first of all what happened and were we right about Forest being a better outfit than they were last season I think
0: we were right in saying that they're a better outfit than they were last season because they, they were close to getting results on the road earlier on this season and they've had such a hard fixture list going into the season so far and I just think that's credit to them and credit to Steve Cooper because they could have stuck or twisted really with him last year and they decided to stick with him and they looked like a really compact side and the only way that someone was going to score in this game because it was quite a dull game to be honest when I was watching it completely legally at three o'clock um, that it was just quite boring. Brighton, uh, sorry not Brighton, they're, they're in my head rent free all the time um, but Nottingham Forest, yeah, like just going off the XG and a bit of a bit of stat nerd here Chelsea had 76 possession of the ball, they had a 2 two XG, Forest had 0.7 we literally gifted them the goal and yeah Chelsea beat themselves in this game but like I said credit to Nottingham Forest, Joe Worrell was excellent for them at the back and they fully deserve the clean sheet. Anthony elanga looks like a very good player for them, and I don't want to say he's found his level, because that sounds like I'm having a dig, but I think he looks very comfortable in, in that side, at, at that level in the table where there's a lot less expectation than playing at Old Trafford, so you can't, you can't really have a go in him for that. He is showing that he's going to get minutes at Forest, he's showing that he deserves those minutes by taking his chances and yeah I, I can't say enough nice things against Forest really I, I can't really say anything more than they've done really well in this game I think it was almost third time the charm for them in a big away game this year and I think they will cause more upsets down the line and definitely impact where teams finish in the Premiership.
2: yeah and it's, it's two teams cook on it were they've had a lot of new faces in, in the door in the past day. <laughs> Um, two years, even past year, Chelsea and Forrest signing. I wonder how many they've signed together in the past two windows. Um, by touching on three figures. What do you make of, obviously, Elanga's impressed, and I think we've, we spoke last week anyway about Forrest's transfer window this season looking a lot better A one year, getting into the goals. And, I mean, got the assist for the Elanga goal, didn't it? What do you make of some of the Chelsea new boys so far? Obviously, we haven't seen all of them yet, and it's only been four games, but your Jacksons, your Desartes, um. I won't say anything about Casado yet, only had one start, but what do you think about some of the new boys that we have seen so far?
0: I just think that they need to gel, and obviously that's no surprise that we have just signed this massive influx of players like you just said then, and I think that time on the training ground will prove pivotal in the long run, and with no European football that will help, but... Chelsea can only not win for so long because, like, Poch keeps reminding everyone and I don't know if he's reminding himself here or just reminding the fans that, and the players publicly that these standards aren't okay, that he says, At Chelsea, you've got to win no matter what. And he knows that. And it's not unfair to say that his job's on the line, really, because every Chelsea manager's job's always on the line, no matter what. And with no European football, we do have to get into our form of Europe. And the top four... Is is that main goal? But the word that I keep seeing getting chucked around the media for the the players that we have signed and for the performance at the weekend is immature, and I can agree with that to a certain extent. It is immature because we we've, we've got a young team now, and our new transfer mo we didn't sign any player under the age of twenty five since, um, the the new regime of this season. So that was one reason where I know our scouts were looking at James Madison, but because he's twenty six, we didn't look at him, which it could be a big mistake going forward but that's the the new culture at the club and I think it'll just take time for your Palmers your Madwakeys, your Mudricks, like players like this Jackson because he missed a massive chance in this game Jackson but I think you've got to just stick with them the young players and they're not going to learn sat on the bench or they're not going to learn out on loan somewhere at a poorer standard really if they're here to stay then they're definitely good enough so I just think it'll take time, I really do. And I think it was—it definitely was an immature performance, so there's no getting away from that. And this performance will mature the players going forward, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and just um tactic, quick cook. What, what, what do you think Poch is trying to do? Is He's obviously played a lot of four-back pre-season. We've seen him play the wing-backs in the season. Um, Chilwell's playing a really interesting position where he's almost playing as a left-winger, but you see him come off quite often. Um, Enzo, I believe, played... Well, really further forward than we've seen before in this one, in particular against Forest. is that something we're going to see more of, or is that just a case of, we're waiting for Maddowake, um Palmer, Mudrick, to kind of get themselves in the starting eleven and we're kind of waiting for the them to come back, because just from an outside perspective looking in, um, I'm looking at these attackers that you brought in, but then you've got Enzo Fernandes and Benicio, well there's two of you you guys who are up there, which is a bit of a strange one for me, personally. Yeah,
0: I think that that's maybe a a contribution because that's one thing I will say about Porch is that I think that this is one of the things that he needs to change because, like you rightfully said, we didn't play back four... uh, Sorry, we didn't play back three throughout the entire pre-season and we have done basically in every game and, like you rightfully said, Ben Chilwell's been playing as like a hybrid left winger, so I I don't agree with it from Porch. I think that if you're going to play the system we played 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 throughout the entire preseason. so I think that you will see Chelsea go back to that and I think that the player that we've not mentioned that Chelsea are probably waiting on Stan and you can maybe elaborate on this is Romero Lavia yeah I mean yeah
1: good, good player uh, at Southampton obviously came through City's Academy um yeah, very good player. Liverpool wanted him. Chelsea beat him to it like they did with Caicedo with as well. But, I, I mean, on paper, I think Lavia, Caicedo, Enzo's a, a solid midfield three. It's... Um it's maybe similar to United. It, it's goals uh, for Chelsea, where I look at. I'm not sure if you know the best front three, and a one who's injured, but you know they're going to have to do something in the meantime. So, what is the best front three? I do like Jackson. I think Sterling's been good, but you know who's that third man? Uh, can they trust the others if Jackson or Sterling get injured or the form drops at some point? I, I, I don't really know. I, I don't know if it's a case of uh, Chelsea just having loads of players. I mean, I suppose. Chelsea won't like being converted to Forrest, but Chelsea have got a load of players and a new manager. Steve Cooper was in this position 12 months ago, a load of players and a new manager to the Premier League. And 12 months later, I think it's testament to Forrest that they've been at Emirates, Old Trafford and uh, Stamford Bridge. They've got three points from nine, but they're unfortunate probably not to get more than that. Uh, and obviously they beat Sheffield United in in their home game as well, I think they look very settled, which is something that's just not a word you can associate with uh, Nottingham Forest last season at all Uh, and again, to further that, I think losing Brennan Johnson, who's a guy who has epitomised modern Forest in terms of he's been with them the whole way, got promoted, was with them last season, was in the team every week they lose him two days ago and nothing changes, you know the style stayed the same, the formation stayed the same Uh, Alanga came on, I think just before half-time uh, and showed that basically he can be a, a pretty good, not deputy to uh, to Johnson, but pr- probably a, repl- well, a replacement now with him leaving so, yeah, Chelsea Chelsea just need time, look, it's, it's a load of players, it was a load of players at Forest uh, and I mean, probably a positive for Chelsea and this, this is honestly i mean serious with this, I think it's the fact that they lost 1-0 to Forest and there's not actually been a load about it and I don't know whether that's because we've seen Chelsea last season and we know that they've only won, is it five games in 2023, so we're not that shocked if they're getting beat by teams anymore, but I actually think that can really work well for Chelsea and Pochettino that there doesn't seem to be a load of pressure on Chelsea at the moment Uh, the pressure seems to be elsewhere in the league Uh, can Arsenal beat uh, City, can Liverpool come back, can Ten Hag improve on what he's done last season there's not a lot of focus around Chelsea at the moment Uh, and again Newcastle Brighton, can they do what they did last season? So it could work really well in Chelsea's favor. Actually, that you know they lost at home uh, to Forest, but there wasn't loads and loads of talk about it on the front page. Which Chelsea of yesteryear, uh, it would have been everywhere. Mourinho, Conte, these types of people, it would have been everywhere. So I think that that honestly, being serious, that could work in Chelsea's favor with them maybe going under the spotlight a little bit with
2: other things that are happening in the league. Do you think okay, if um, Poch doesn't get you into Champions League football You, you, you gets another season Um, because we were standing compared to Forrest there and how stable more like how more stable they are this season compared to last do you think that's something obviously Chelsea's at a completely different level above in terms of talent do you think that's something they have to kind of do because they went through five managers last season do they kind of just stick with Poch letting him integrate because again it's still a lot of new players and it's a new it's a new coach it's a new system it's it's all new again. Do you need to give it another year? Um, it doesn't depend on... Obviously, if you finish 12th or something, we won't see a manager stay the course, will we? But if Poch finishes 5th or 6th and doesn't win anything, I mean, a, a Chelsea of previous years, that would be an instant manager sacking. But just in the situation they're in now, do we, do we stick with him?
0: I think we have to stick with him because when we sacked Tuchel and... It was 100 days of the new ownership when we did sack Tupul. And I think that we all realized that the ownership might have changed, but the actual culture of the sacking culture is very much still the same. And they are very much still about results now. And I think when we did get Potter, everyone was like, this is the start of the project now. And whether it goes good or bad, we either have to stick with him and buy into the project and suffer now to reap rewards later down the line, which I was all for, by the way, until we actually had potter and i couldn't actually still now tell you how we played under potter we had no identity and and nothing and we just spiraled down the table and fell asleep at the wheel is the phrase i would use for it definitely but i think that you have to stick with porch and it's almost the start of the project again because of this like a massive influx and outflux of players because the business that we've done yeah we brought all these players in and we've got rid of a load as well so it is a completely new squad completely new age profile. I think the average age of the squad's is now 20, 22 years old, which is absolutely mental given the amount of players that we've let go. But I think time will tell and long-term, Jim, I, I don't know if you agree. I think that the time on the training ground will be the massive factor for Poch. But I think that they will stick with him. But context needs to be there as well. If, if we finish like sixth and we're nowhere near fourth, then I, th- I think that we could potentially, depending on who's available, swap it. But if we've competed... And we're, and we're very much in the league, and we've had a decent cup run and stuff, you will get benefit of the doubt, but it's just Chelsea, you've got to win, even when you shit, if that makes sense, and call it unreasonable, think, which it is, but it's just, it is what it is.
2: I think that's the balance problem they've got at the minute, they've, they've, it's, they've almost kind of, I know you've got an American owner, I don't know if he's took influence from how American sports teams rebuild, but... I mean, you see it in basketball, you see it in any in, in American sport, like I just said, to get to to start the process, you in, in, in no other way of putting it, you become one of the worst teams in the league, because you can't get relegated in, the, in these leagues, obviously. You get, you get rid of a bunch of contracts you don't want, you get lots of young contracts you do want, and you build it up on year upon year, but you can't do that in the Premier League. I'm not saying Chelsea are going to get relegated, but even Chelsea finishing 6th, 7th is kind of the amount of I know the pressure's not there. Stan said, right now, maybe that's because it was like a three o'clock game, but I think at the end of the season, if Chelsea is sixth or seventh. there will be calls for Pochett. Um Even even fifth, I mean, it's, it's a really brutal league to be in. At even fifth, there'll be people saying, oh, we should get somebody else. As soon as like a, an is available, or, I don't know if Zidane's got a job or if somebody else gets sat further down the line, you'll get Chelsea fans saying we should get these in and then that just starts it all over again for Chelsea. I think they do almost have to stick it, stick it through. But at the same time, he need to balance that and get results. It, it, it's tough to do, and I mean, you likes to be a fat man. I just did it last season and he couldn't. So, yeah, a big job for Poch. But I do think you will get better. You, there's, there's been glimpses over the first four where Chelsea looked good in patches, but maybe lacking a bit of uh, cutting edge. Uh, the goals, like Stan said, uh, something to show for all the nice football, all the possession. But yeah, you need something
0: to show for it. No, 100% agree there. And just lastly on Chelsea, I think that, that that will come with time and injuries. Everyone's got injuries across the league. But I think when you do see these players coming back, like a Lavia who's not played yet, we will move to a three. And I can almost guarantee for the first game that we've got back, I couldn't tell you who it is at the minute, that we will play a four two three one or a four three three coming back. But Stan, do you think that if Poch finishes outside the top four, he keeps his job?
1: Well, I, I think it's all context, isn't it? I mean, if if um, Chelsea could finish fifth and he could lose top four in the 38th game week on goal difference, so are you going to sack him then? No, you're not higher. You? So uh, there could be a load of injuries. Or on the flip side, Chelsea could be sat in fourth for 30 odd game weeks and then end up finishing fifth or sixth. And then you've got to maybe ask you know, have we bottled it? Can he stay? But I I think either way, I I think for Chelsea, the the most important thing is is just sorting it in the here and now. I don't think looking at game week 38 is going to do them any favours at all. I think it's... Finding what the best squad you've got right now, your best, your best style, your best formation, and and the best players in in that formation. Because I don't think they know, and I think when you've had such a a turnover of players, it's difficult to know. But with the Premier and so unforgiving, and games coming thick and fast, uh, they need to know. They need to find out. Nottingham Forest. It nearly cost them last season before they finally realised that it was a one year that was going to be the guy to to drag them out of it. And and you know they look pretty stable this season. So I think. Like you say, having midweeks off is going to help them uh, and it might uh, harm other teams. So maybe Chelsea can take advantage of that as well. Uh, and they've got players still to come in that they've signed and, and, and for injury as well. So Chelsea just need to be in, a, in and around there. That, that That's it, because it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if the not Potch doesn't even see the end of the season, never mind seeing where he finishes, he might not finish at all. So... Um, he just needs to make sure he's in and around there. And I think if Chelsea end up in the Europa League, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, you, you've gone from 12th to 6th. I mean, you know, you've improved six positions. I know it's not the Champions League and that's what Chelsea want, but it's, it's a big improvement on, on something that five managers struggled to do last season. So, Chelsea just need to be pretty, you know, logical with it, common sense and just, you know, ride, ride it out. And, yeah, I, I hope he stays because... You know, sacking managers doesn't work, it's never worked anywhere, you can't have five managers in a season if you're having five managers in a season it's not been a successful season, full stop So, uh, or else it wouldn't be happening so they should keep him uh, and, and I think they will to be honest uh, I think Tuchel went because he wasn't their man and then nobody else after that was really the man apart from Potter, the hope would be and he wasn't, so I think they're probably thinking they've got their man now, somebody with, with Prem pedigree and, and experience <laughs>
0: Right, listeners, just as we're about to love you and leave you, I'll let you know where you can find us when we're not making pods. So if you've got Insta, head on over there to our page by using the handle Cookie Podcast Network. If you've got Twitter, follow us on there by using the handle cookie CookiePodNet. Get on YouTube. If you want to see the pod in clip format, just type in Cookie Podcast Clips. And we are on TikTok as well by using the handle the cookie podcast. So it's been episode 195. Thank you very much for joining us. And that's the way the cookie crumbles.